HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring the culinary wonders of urban New Jersey with a tour through Newark. We speak to Frank Mentesana at Phillips Academy Public Charter School. This idea of family style and made-from-scratch lunches continues to be a bit of an anomaly in the city. We also hear from Gil Speyer from All Points West Distillery. Newark used to have an incredibly rich beverage alcohol history. And we'll tour Aero Farms, the world's largest indoor vertical farm. We're growing using 390 times more productivity than field farming and 95% less water. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network to be amazed at the wonders of Newark. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome to the show Life's a Banquet. The show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara. Horrible! Starring your hosts, me, Brett and Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. A show about chocolate and wine and bread, champagne and scandal and crackers in bed. I'm drunk! <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet. One another. Consider it done. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, the podcast about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and Zara, Bratton. Oh, thank you. Brian. <laughs> I got con- Zara, Sarah, Tara. <laughs> Pourable. Pourable. With your host, Zara Tangora. And Bretton Scott. What up? Well, you know, it's been a crazy week out there. It has been, the huh? Ener- Mercury has been in retrograde for nearly three weeks. It's coming to a, a halt I think in tomorrow. Yeah. Everything that I have is broken, smashed to bits, scrambled, bits. fried. Yep. Scrambled, fried, cell phones not working, internet's out. Yeah. Uh, people, I, I was, I was sitting at, I was waiting for the Q train yesterday and this woman walks by me hustling, hustling. She was very large and mm. maybe by large, I mean, and in charge, wide, large and in charge. And she was just shuffling down the subway platform. <laughs> and I was, I was just, it wasn't even crowded. I was the only person. She just looked straight at me 15 feet away, and she just clump, 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 like coming toward me. And I was like, this is it, Breton. This is your moment. It's over on the Q train. What? And then she just looked by me, and she scowled. She was like, Wah. She growled in your face? She growled in my face yeah. for no reason. 
Well, I mean, you just gave reason. Mercury's in retrograde. Also, the world is ablaze. Ablaze. I thought I had not washed off my Ash Wednesday ashes, and I thought like the cross had like, turned into <laughs> that was like a bad ago. Nazi symbol. And I was like, oh my god! Like it, I thought I was gonna have my Larry David like Catholic moment. No, 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 no! Like the the, the ash. It was an it was a cross, and then. It... <laughs> Well, it, I actually had just washed my face, so oh, that was not the case. Good Lord have mercy. I like that rhyme. Uh, Zara, tell me about your week. What? I Well, I had a good week. I thought we were going to talk at the same time. Oh, that is hard to do, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah, is. It is. I mean, <laughs> okay. Anyway, my week was good. I, uh, I have a new job and I was doing a tasting. So mm. I work in the kitchen at my home for a couple days, shopping, planning, mincing, chopping, frying oil, oil everywhere in my hair. Um, lots of sweeping and cleaning. But at the end of the day, I came out with a couple of really cool things. Let's hear. I want to hear about it. Well, one I gave you, which immediately you rejected, but then what? ate the whole thing. When what? I saw you at the bar, I gave you a sample of the homemade Oreo. I made. Oh, homemade Oreo. No, I've had them before. I just, goes, in that particular moment, Zara came over and gave me a, a large, sweet, sugary cookie. And I was <laughs> I was drinking a margarita, which is not what you really want. And I was like, well, I'll try it. Like, ugh. Like, ugh, somebody hands I you must. a cookie. How dare they? <laughs> I feel you. I, I don't normally want to eat a big cookie either. But it was very delicious. Thank you. So I made some homemade Oreos. I've been perfecting the perfect queso recipe, which I think I nailed. Tell us about your queso. My queso. My mm-hmm. queso. Okay, so? <laughs> my queso brings all the boys to the yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so I, I am now using <laughs> mm-hmm. a little bit of American cheese. Mm-hmm. Don't care mm-hmm. if you guys out there don't like American cheese. Breton. Judge. Don't judge, judge me. Cheddar <laughs> cheese. And also cream and also cream cheese. Yep. Classic. And also uh, chipotle and adobo. Probably people, all of our listeners in Texas are like, nah, I have <laughs> New York City? <laughs> They're Is making salsa case? from New York City? <laughs> they, forgot the t- they forgot the adobo. That was one of the was great the commercials from the 1990s. Oh, wasn't it? Yeah. Pace oh. picante salsa. Mm-hmm. What have you been making this week, Ding Dong? Oh, my God. I did. I outdid myself. Again, I've outdone myself. Uh, I made A so. Panini? I'm, now I made enchiladas. Get out of to town. To go with your queso sauce. Too bad they didn't get, they didn't, uh, They never met. No, they never met. But I made some enchiladas and I made a delicious mole sauce with some of the chilies that I brought back from, from Mexico. Ooh. Right? So I've got all this stuff just dried and waiting in there. But, and then I used tortillas that I smuggled in that I got in Mexico City. I popped them in the freezer on this week's episode of Pull It, <laughs> Pull it Out of Your Freezer. <laughs> Pull it out. Whip I, it out. You know, I was shocked as to how well those tortillas held up in the freezer. I've never, Absolutely. I've never put a tortilla in the freezer. Oh, we always used to put tortillas in the freezer because at Brucey we would not use them often, but we'd have to get big cases. Yep, you have to put them. Yeah. Well, I learned something new, and I, you know what? It was so funny. I was very stressed out. I was like, oh god, is, I, enchiladas! Like I gotta stuff and roll everything. So I put. An, I've been using my stopwatch this week for undesired. Uh, tasks, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, God, I don't want to clean out this. I don't want to clean up my fridge. I'm like, uh, can I do it in under six minutes? Like, start, like, start, stop, watch, and go. So I I said, can I stuff uh, 18 enchiladas in under four minutes? And I did it. What? 
I just like stuff, roll, play, stuff, roll, play, stuff. Get, you need 18 enchiladas? Uh-huh, I, I guess my invitation to the enchilada party must have got lost in I, the mail. I put, <laughs> I refroze it. <laughs> <laughs> it lives in the freezer. <laughs> Nobody ever eats it. Uh, but I used that mole sauce, black beans, goat cheese, and some of the aged provolone. So I had a little Ooh. Italian influence. You know what I'm saying? That sounds so delicious. Oh my God. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia, right? God, the magic of the oven never ceases to amaze me. Yes, we are so lucky for heat and fire, aren't we, Frankenstein? <laughs> we are. <laughs> I found a wonderful, I was walking along uh, the quiet streets of Fort Greene today, Brownstone Line streets, picture it, mm. uh, Hollywood-esque. They're shooting several seasons of, what's that called, Law and Order. <laughs> I cannot believe that show is still in the air. Exactly. Every, if you ha- in order to be an actor in New York, you have to be an extra in Law and Order. Anyway, uh, I found a 1951 copy of Woman's Day magazine. Oh my god! It was called Woman's World, I think, back then. And in it was just these gorgeous, lots of colored ads, which I was surprised. It was a very large format magazine. Ooh. And I've, I meant to bring it so we could look at it on the radio. But yeah. then I realized... That would have been really exciting for everyone. <laughs> then I realized that the, our listeners can't uh, uh, view it. Although, if you're looking at us right now, uh, we, are, we are recording our videos. So you can check that out on our YouTube page. <laughs> I'm interested to see the ads for like tampons and maxi pads from like the 1950s. It's like women, if you are bleeding, please don't let anybody know. Yeah, Wrap it me. up, seal it up, pack it up, pack it in. Yeah, wear these pointy Shh. bras. And <laughs> keep quiet. <laughs> yeah, and keep quiet. Let uh, the man do it. Yeah, that's a, just lots of cleaning, lots of just, you know, lots of eggs. It's just mm, that. Lots sh- of eggs. We're in shoulder season. Sh- we season. are in shoulder season, which is when the weather is saying one, th- when your mind is telling you yes, but your body is telling you no. Yep. It's like neither, the asparagus hasn't come yet. There's nothing. There's no ramps. There's, no. the apples are mealy. The potatoes are, are soft. Yeah, exactly. The squash. I was like, who wants to eat a squash? If I have to eat, bite into another raw onion this winter, I don't know what I'll do. I know. Gosh. Um, I went to a really lovely dinner. I hadn't been to this restaurant in a while, but it is a restaurant I've been to many, many times in the past. Estella. Uh, and it is just confirmed for me as the most as the most perfect restaurant in New York City. We had mm. such a lovely time. I went on a hot, sizzling, steamy date the other night. We ate steak tartare and their beautiful endive salad, which I ripped off a million times. That's right. I, you know what? I was a couple blocks away at a restaurant called Double Zero eating vegan pizza. Mm, yum. You know what? Uh. I have to say I didn't, I didn't see the point. <laughs> I'm like, well, I just want regular pizza. But if you're vegan, I think it was really good. Uh, it was packed on a Saturday night. Lots of women. Lots of, it was definitely mm-hmm. a, about 90% female crowd. A uh, little bit loud for me. Uh, You're being so nice right now. High t- and high top <laughs> tables, and they sh- they were all communal tables, and you got shoved in. I mean, I was shoved into that table. That sounds great. Uh, and yeah, it was a really great experience. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. <laughs> but it's interesting you talk about double zero because that is a kind of flower. Oh my and god! And flower power is what our episode today is. You about. know what? I always get so nervous how we're going to gracefully. Uh, announce I, our topic i ungracefully do it each week i'm but like this was know, a really good one <laughs> it was it was one of the better transitions double zero had. so yeah i think they named that restaurant obviously after <laughs> right after the thing but, was it gluten-free though too uh they had a gluten-free option which was i believe i didn't try it we ordered it but the waiter messed up but it didn't matter because i didn't You're i was like, like this all i'm already like eating chalk. vegan like this is you know calm down yeah there's a great way to eat vegan and i think it usually misses the mark it's like don't imitate well, I think don't I, imitate. That's what we were talking about. And listeners, if you're out there wondering, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the menu items said, quote, like, quotation, charcuterie plate. Yeah. And then it was no a thanks. bunch of 
uh, vegetables disguised, you know, crispy in that, but it did not resemble meat at all. Also, my opinion on that is why not just just glorify the actual vegetables because right. they are to me wonderful in themselves, right? Exactly. Like it doesn't like eggplant bacon. No. Like, well, why not just do crispy eggplant? That sounds better. Italians aren't being like uh, eggplant or you know sausage disc eggplant lasagna. No, they call it eggplant parmesan. Yeah, you would get kicked out of Italy for making eggplant they're not sausage like, disc. They're not like zucchini zoodles. Italians no. are like. A fra zucchini. Yeah. You eat a zucchini or you go straight as a hella. So anyway, I'm Sorry, a total Italy. opinionated jerk. And you can go ahead, email me or just unfollow me. I don't yeah. really care. Or sue us. Yeah. Or do, please don't. <laughs> please don't yeah. sue us. <laughs> just kidding. Call me Laura. Ladies, I think the point here is what Breton is trying to say. It's okay to get your periods and it's okay to eat cauliflower and not pretend that it's sausage. Yeah, you're right. right? So I would say. Let's, let's talk about flour, talk though. About flour. Okay. So flour. First of all, I. When we picked the topic, I thought, oh, that's too boring. And then I thought, wait a second. How could you possibly, as the a hell cook, is going on in there? As a human, hey, as anything. Knock it off. As sorry, anything. Oh, what the? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt was making I was a lot like, of noise as in there. anything. <laughs> get back on track. How Flower. could you possibly get by, as a cook, as a human, as any person, without encountering flour, right? In yeah. our day and age, let's say, I mean, around Thanksgiving, let's say you hate cooking. Doesn't matter. At some point, one of your fried breadsticks is going to be dredged in flour first. Yeah. Un, you know, unbeknownst to a your- A fried breadstick? <laughs> cheese stick, sorry. Mozzarella <laughs> stick. But a fr- <laughs> God damn it, you're- Well, from where I come from, we fry our breadsticks. <laughs> and they're called Gardettos. Those little breadsticks in Gardettos are the best part. And they are deep fried. They're deep fried sesame breadsticks. Yeah. We all know those, you know, that and the Melba toast. I'll eat almost anything. I don't care. Fry it. Grill it. So let's talk about flour. Now, without wheat, Mm. we can't have flour. Well, that's not true. I mean, you can call it corn flour. A flour, I guess, is could be described. The definition is a powdered cereal grain, right? Right. Well, Uh, is cocaine flour? Well, no, but this does remind me of my cocaine story, please. You know, which I told you that I in back <laughs> in the days, back in the '90s, when you had to take a picture and develop it. Oh yes, uh, I know there's some young kids that are doing it again, but I cocaine t- or picture developing. I took a my I had a roommate that had all these hundred dollar bills. She was going on vacation, and I rolled them up and put flour all over the table and pretended I did <gasps> mass amounts of cocaine. I think I told you the story, and then I, don't know this I got story. the picture developed, and then when I went to pick it up, the girl scowled at me. She's like, "Here's your photos." jerk oh really she didn't say jerk but she looked at me with her eyes and they said jerk and then inside was a note saying the next time you do this we know who you are you use your credit card and we're going to report you to the police for oh your massive God. amounts of cocaine use what but i had put a bag of flour all over my face so you can flour is versatile i guess is what you're trying to say so flowers obviously very versatile right okay so Flour without wheat. Now, parts of the wheat are the endosperm, the germ, Ooh. right? And we like that sperm. Yeah. Did somebody say sperm? Did somebody smell sperm? But so now here's okay. Where to start with flour? Now it all started with this craze of of how flour got a bad rap. We're talking about gluten free, right? All the gluten stuff that's been going on. No thanks, gluten free people. Well, Goodbye. here and celiac, and this is a disease that should be taken very seriously. Uh, but I think the problem with that we had with flour in the 20th century mm. was the well. Let's talk about Monsanto and yeah, what they had to do with it, and, it. and the way that we milled our flour. So first of all, I wanted to describe different kinds of flours and the history of it. Now, but in the 70s, 80s, 90s, as they upped the use 
of Roundup, which is that pesticide. Yep, that gives people uh, cancer. They had more and more and more and more pesticides put on, and the flowers, you know, are they're they're using these big threshers, threshers, threshers to mm-hmm. to uh, you know to harvest the flower, and then they're running the the actual grain through steel mules, steel mules, steel mules, which. Uh, Basically, you take a seed and you're crushing it up into a fine powder, and through these steel mills, there it heats up so drastically that it it basically torches out any good quality of that grain. Right, and so that's why they're like enrich it. Mm. And who doesn't want something enriched? What's it right? enriched with? It is enriched with vitamins and minerals because they were lost. So yeah. then we had to put riboflavin and all those stuff back into the flowers so that it become healthy again. And then they could market it as a healthy product. And with all that pesticide and everything, obviously more people started getting sick. And their doctors are like, well, you know what? For every time I tell somebody they're gluten-free, I got a thousand bucks. Right. Right. So suddenly it's a gluten-free <laughs> craze, blah, blah, blah. And now fast forward and now we're in 2019. So interesting, Brent. Uh, and so Monsanto is, just for anyone out there, responsible for mm-hmm. uh, making the roundup. Okay, so flour. Again, this is a whole, I mean, there's books written about it. There's documentaries I've you can never watch. heard of it before But today. I just wanted to, to disseminate the different types of flour and then the different ways of milling it. So there's stone ground flour and steel milled flour. So a stone ground flour is the old way where they would actually grind it with you know stones that were yeah. or you know something and that preserve it doesn't heat up as much therefore preserving the rich vitamin and you know health healthful benefits of the wheat plant wow um and i read also that in america you can call something stone ground flour if it has already passed through a steel mill, but then goes through a stone what? mill. What? Mm-hmm. Sneaky American pieces of shit. Yeah, you guys, like, America, let's get it together for so many reasons, but this first. Mm-hmm. Now, well, and then. Most importantly, flour. I'm sure those of you have gone through a grocery store and wondered like, oh my gosh, there's so many different kinds of flour. There's white whole wheat, wheat flour, uh, pastry flour, whole wheat pastry flour, double O flour, uh, Italian flour. You know, there's mm-hmm. a million different kinds of flour. There's white lily, you know, uh, sw- what is it? Uh, cake flour. Yeah, swamp flower. <clears throat> Listen, swamp flower. There's there are too many flowers to keep track of, and what I'll tell you is that in general, uh, all-purpose flour is from the hard. It's the the standard kind of like hard winter wheat flour, wheat right. berry, or wheat flour, and then pastry flour is made from soft winter wheat. And I gr- really didn't know that. I yeah. thought it was just ground finer. No, no, they're and they're grown in different actually times of the year in different regions of the United States. So the Further south, you you got a lot of the soft winter wheat. Mm. It actually goes kind of up around Mississippi, Missouri. Wow. And they're usually planted later in the season and harvested in the spring. What in the hell? Brent, you know so much about mm-hmm. flour. Oh, I know. I love flour. <laughs> <laughs> I love flour. <laughs> I- <laughs> but uh, so white lily flour, that pastry flour is associated with like making biscuits. Mm. And you would probably use a pastry flour because of the lower protein content. Therefore, you would do things that don't require yeast. That's wow. why. I, so, like pastries, I personally in my pie crust use equal amounts of pastry flour and all-purpose flour because I find it gives a tender crumb. That's amazing. You're if, re- yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say you're a regular old uh, Bill Nye. Exactly. Right. You know. But that, that's incredible. And so, the higher the protein content in bread flour, for example, which you know when bread machines came around. Suddenly they're like, bread machine flour, bread flour. Yeah. It just has a higher protein content, which has 
more gluten. Watch out, gluten-free people. I mean. And then, but that actually, as you work the dough and knead the dough and knead the flour, then it gives the yeast something to hold on to, which creates greater structure, thus having better bread, right? Yeah, So higher protein content. I mean, you could go, I could go on and on about types of flour. I wish you would. Okay, We have three hours for this podcast. All right, everybody, put on your... (laughs) Everyone, put on your flour sack. (laughs) Close your windows, lock the doors. (laughs) Wait, that was from... (laughs) Everybody lock yourself in the closet. It's Life's a Banquet, the flower episode. Well, that's really interesting, Breton. So uh, just a brief introduction to flower. Yeah. I think if you want to be healthy and you're concerned about what type of flower you should get, you should try to get that einkorn flower, which Uh, is an ancient grain. I mean, uh, flower, wheat has been around the the fertile crescent, you know, what is now known as Syria and all that. Right. Right. 8,000 BC, they've been using wheat. Yeah, it's one of our oldest. And you're saying we can find this flower thing you talk oh, about yeah, you at the supermarket? Einkorn, yeah, E I N. It's a, I think Jovial is an actual kinda, brand. Yeah, at I was the, kidding. I meant like any flower. I was pretending like I'd never heard of it before. Went, uh, yes, went, it was right found at the. <laughs> I'm so into flower and I'm a cat concentrate anything else. He cannot make any jokes about flower. You are serious about flower. I'm trying to tease you about flower. You're like, flower. 420. Is ser- it is, okay, so it's 420. Should we take a break and get mad high quickly and <laughs> yeah. then come back and I'll tell you a story about flour? Yeah, sure. All right, we're going to get we're going to get uh, baked up in here like a like a loaf of bread. Yeah. All right, here we go. We're ready for a break here. We're taking a break, Matt, <laughs> goddammit. I know, I'm paying attention. <laughs> I got to cut Marshall. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Oh, wow. (laughs) I barely. (laughs) Thank God for one hitters. Thank the Lord. You know what? Actually, I decided to. I'm no longer on On, marijuana. You're no longer on Mm -mm. weed. Nine days sober. And by sober, I mean. How do you feel? (laughs) Well, I've noticed I've been drinking more. Oh, perfect. I Have you been doing more heroin? More heroin and more drinking. Look no, at this. just getting less Look heroin. at this here. Uh, this is the 10th call in a row today I've gotten from British Columbia. Someone mm-hmm. in Canada is pranking me, and I'm not into it. Well, there's... Listen, Canada, the exactly. entire country, please stop it. You're on blast. Leave so, me alone. Zara, I want to hear what your what you found when you were researching flour. I bet you would. Mm-hmm. All I right, really I'll, would. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, okay, so my flour perspective today is uh, I wanted to tell you a story about flower sack clothing, mm. particularly flower sack dresses that became very popular during a certain hard time in this country. And I want to tell you the story because it has to kind of do with flower, but it also is just a story of resourcefulness, which on this podcast, as you know, we love it. We're talking about highs and lows and how people deal mm-hmm. with really tough situations. And being that uh, after this presidency, we're probably going to go into another Great Depression. I feel like it's worth trying to figure out how to do these things again now so we're not stuck when... Uh, <laughs> Get our flower... When Folks, start saving your flower sacks. Get about your feed sacks, everyone. It's uh, Great Depression time here on Life's Banquet. Okay, so a little bit about the year 1929. Uh, it was the year of the famous St. Valentine's Day massacre by the notorious gangster Al Capone in Chicago. Mm, it never was, forget it. Oh, I know. It was very bloody. That little that little guy. You know that Al Capone got married at the church, like up the street from my house. Mm-hmm. Like right he used to uh, vacation in uh, uh, up in northern Wisconsin. Really. Uh-huh. 
What couldn't he do? Is he, are we following in his direct footsteps? Are we descendants <laughs> of Al Capone? Um, also in 1929, the Museum of Modern Art uh, opens in New York City. Mm. And it was the first Academy Awards ever. Really? 1929? 1929. My grandmother, uh, Violet Silver, and God rest her soul, was also 10 years old at the time, in case anyone was wondering about about my grandma's age. Um, So anyway, the Great Depression in the United States began on October 29th when the stock market crashed of 1929. Um, After that, we went into something known as the Great Depression, a horrible time in this country and around the world. Unemployment in the U.S. rose to 25%. Which wow. is extremely high. Yeah, that is very I high. mean, it's just really weird when you think back about the Great Depression. And I think we, you know, with a lot of things in history, like, whoa, that sounds really crazy. But can you imagine if just right now, like, 25% of people in this country were out of work? Yeah, well, that's why our our parents were brought up by their right. parents. And they're still afraid. That's right. why they still reuse their Christmas wrapping paper. Because they're like, oh, God. Totally. Because like, one day you wouldn't be able to, you actually... Not only could you not afford it, there just wasn't any to go around. Right. And in some sense, I think that living with that (laughs) kind of mentality (laughs) is why not save your Christmas wrapping paper? I mean, I don't do stuff like that necessarily. But when you think about how much we waste and throw away just because we think there's always more. Because we can't. Right. Like maybe to just kind of take away from this story when it's all over that we don't have to just it's okay to be thrifty even if you have money I have been freelancing now and I don't so I have some some months I have a lot of money and then yeah. A lot of months I have very little money. And yeah. since I've been freelancing, I noticed that I am way better about using everything in my fridge. Yeah. I, I waste way less. Like I waste no food either. I waste no food. I mean, everything has been used. I, I even use my broccoli stems, my cauliflowers. What'd you do with those guys? I Did just, you make a I cauliflower dress out of it? Eat them. I don't even care. <laughs> Dehydrate them, powder them. <laughs> put them put them around my eyes at night. But no, but it's funny. Like, Throw them in a bag. Because of resourcefulness, I'm like, you know what? I should use all of this. My freezer yeah. is perfectly, I don't have stuff that I'm like, oh God, I don't know. You know. Totally. I've, I'm in the same vibe and I just think it really, this is kind of a good way to remember that we should kind of be doing that. So construction uh, across the world was virtually halted. Farming communities in rural areas suffered the, the most and crop prices fell about 60%. A traditional discussion of commodity bag of uh, sewing, a traditional discussion of the commodity bag which is basically any flour sack or any feed sack, any mm-hmm. grain sack, sugar sack. They were kind of all the same, but mostly it was flour. Potato sacks? Yes. Uh, well, potato sacks were a little scratchy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, these were that's like... That's what children would jump in them and exactly. in county fairs, that's a, right? That's a very dangerous game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wrap your feet up, tie it around, and everybody run into each other. Yeah, and, in a sack. Knock your front teeth out. It's great. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, they started doing this uh, around the Great Depression and it kind of tapered out around World War after World War II, but the origins actually are more than a hundred years old. So that it became popular in the Great Depression, but yeah, the origins are more than a hundred years old. So that's crazy. I know. So everyone was being really frugal, and they would make this into a variety of these beautiful sacks into a variety of things. And as people started using them more, these companies started making these really gorgeous patterns on the sack. So flower sacks were not just like random sacks of flour. They had gorgeous like floral designs. And they were sort of really cool patterns. I happened to come across that and they said yeah. that they were actually doing that because purposely, right? Yeah. Because like, oh, there's a need they for it. They noticed that first that people were making clothes out of them and then they're like, well, let's design these beautifully. So can you just imagine like going in the store and like a big sack of flour had this gorgeous printed design on when, them? Back when our great European ancestors and other ancestors with who knows where they're from, but had beautiful, beautiful 
graphic design yeah. techniques, hand-printed, hand-lettered, hand-sewn. Oh Everyone my God. just you, cared more about everything. Can you imagine the beauty? Yeah, I know. So anyway, everyone uh, everyone started making their clothes out of flower sacks. And a sack uh, for a 100-pound thing of flour would make a shirt or a, or a blouse, but a dress usually required three 100-pound flour sacks. But they could also be made from feed sacks. So a lot of people who lived on farms and were getting feed and grain and stuff like that. Do you would- think that explains some of those whenever you think of, when we think of the, I don't know, television shows from the 1940s and 50s where all you know in the con- would take place in the country yeah that they have all these like flower yes printed. that was all based of flowers absolutely sacks, right? yes well. the dust bowl a bunch of dusty ass people in the middle of the country covered in dust and flower sack dresses it's the romantic to think about now but i don't think it was probably that great then so much dust so much flower and dust um so anyway people the manufacturers took took notice of this and they started offering different prints such as flowers pretty border designs doll and toy patterns um, they wanted to make it into something appealing and they started putting pattern designs that came with the flower sacks that would wash off. They were in a uh, vegetable ink. So your flower sack would come with a, basically a pattern or like different ideas on it that was printed in washable ink. And then when you washed it, that the instructions would wash off. So you could use all the material for uh, your dress. That is really, I know it's really nice. Yeah. Isn't that really crazy? Um, the Chinese were also doing this and they were calling them hunger sacks. I wonder why. Oh, just because yeah, just probably the way it translated exactly. or something. Um, at that time, an estimated 3.5 million women and children wore flower sack clothing during the Great Depression. It was a way of life because times were very hard. Um, and then during World War II, there was a ration on printed fabric. And so people, again, had to turn to the flower sacks if they wanted any kind of printed stuff. But they were beautiful. They they weren't. They didn't look like a sack. They looked gorgeous. The patterns were nice. Everyone. They were really like today. I don't know. I'm sure you could find something like that in a vintage store and be like. You know what? I'm sure. I'm looking at some of these pictures right now. A lot of them are in black and white, but you see a lot of gingham plaids. Yes, the gingham plaid was actually the first. The red and white gingham plaid was the first pattern that they printed on the sack once they noticed people started making clothes out of them. I mean, fashion people. This is. It's a huge. It's such an interesting set. Like fashion cross section between fashion and food. It's really weird. Food and fashion. Food. Food. I used to work with a. I used to work at an Italian restaurant in Chicago, and he, <laughs> the man that owned it, Bruno. Oh. And Bruno had his wife was in the fashion industry, so their windows out front, they would dress in models and support local fashion designers. Okay. And it was called Folia Cibo e Moda. Oh wow! And he would say, "Good food, good shoes, good wine." Wow, that's all you need, really. And he was a horrible, horrible human. Oh, yes. He sounds terrible. It was terrible. At least he had good taste. I got fired for telling a woman she was the worst customer of my entire life. And I was honest. That sounds wrong. They should have probably kept you. (laughs) How old are you? I was 23 or something. Yeah, no, perfect. A 23-year-old <laughs> with an attitude that just won't quit. Yeah, get the... It's no problem. <laughs> she wanted fresh You're tomatoes. You're promoted. What a, a... Fresh tomatoes? Was it out of season? No, it was in season, and I had forgotten, and so I apologized for forgetting, and I said, listen, I'm really sorry. It'll take me one minute. I'll get them right away. And she's like, you know what? You're the dumbest waiter I've ever <gasps> had in my entire life. And I said, well, that's too bad, because you're the worst customer I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. And then her husband tried to get up and punch me. And then I said, oh, what are you going to do? Punch your waiter? 
Wow. Anyways, very scary. Sounds like a real book yak. We had to buy their whole dinner and then I got fired. Marona mia. That's no good. Anyway. Um, so anyway, the packaging started changing after World War II in the 1950s and companies found it easier and cheaper to put the uh, flour in a paper sack. Plus people are stopping being so poor and covered mm-hmm. in dust. <laughs> we have so much more fashion. <laughs> With the, yeah, so nobody wanted to fabric. wear paper underwear. Yeah, I that guess. That didn't really take... <laughs> <laughs> They're Throw like, it away. It absorbs the sweat and the odors. <laughs> These and paper socks stays are stays in the terrible. paper forever. <laughs> <laughs> Brett and Scott's paper underwear. Um, Although, did you remember pa- there were paper dresses were popular in the 60s? I don't remember. Remember, that. like, Campbell's would have paper dresses? I don't know. No. That, that's a whole thing. We'll get into that. All right. On the next episode of Lives of Banquet, paper dresses <laughs> and creamy soups. Um, so, anyway, to slow the changeover, the National Cotton Council began to sponsor these contests for women who could make the most ex- exciting uh, flower sack clothing. It was called National Cotton Bag Sewing Queen. Mm-mm. And they took place all over the country with uh, giveaways for whoever made the best stuff. And they ran ads in magazines like the Ladies Farm Journal, which I would do anything to get my hands on. Talk about Ladies Home Journal. I want to see the Ladies Farm Journal. Oh, my God. I- I'm sure I can find some in Wisconsin at some antique stores are your chickens misbehaving well we've got a tip for you um and they these people could win everything from automobiles uh and in the national competition they could win trips to hollywood to compete in a movie uh compete for movie studio tours and shopping sprees you hear that janet we're going to hollywood exactly (laughs) hollywood california pack your bags here we go to the brown derby (laughs) <laughs> Get your finest flower sack dresses. I love it. I know. So I thought that was really cool and it was very, it's an interesting story of resourcefulness, which I think is always important to remember because. Well, and how ubiquitous flower is. I mean, there was so I much, know. right? That we, Absolutely. We live on, you know, humans pretty much live on wheat. Exactly. Oh, well, actually, not we do. <laughs> and to all those people out there who are thinking they're gluten free, if you just are interested in losing some weight or something, that's fine. Just do that. Stop eating flour. You'll probably lose weight. But please don't give continue to give flour bad rap and say, oh, I'm I'm celiac. Also, some people are celiac, and that's a terrible thing to have. It's a really horrible, mm-hmm. chronic, like messed up condition that you do not want to have. So if you're just trying to maybe like cut back on whatever or be healthier in your own brain for whatever your version of healthy is, you want to lose some weight. Just call that what it well, is. Well, I think it's important. Again, what I said in the beginning is to to concern yourself with what type of flour exactly. You're because a lot of times, you know, I've been I've been traveled to, and you go to Italy, you're like, that's so weird. My stomach wasn't upset or bloated when I had the pasta in Italy because right. they don't have these. Well, Monsanto's not controlling their wheat industry, as I know, as as of yet. If you're eating good quality food, you're gonna feel better, and mm-hmm. unless you actually have a, an actual allergy. You know what the other thing I always thought about. Is probably a long time ago, bread and well, also wheat and flour. It perhaps was a bit more scarce and it wasn't as plentiful, perhaps, mm-hmm. depending on where you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we weren't, we didn't get a bread basket, right? I mean, or you know, unlimited amounts of bread, like not everything had bread. We weren't, yeah, constantly looking at Instagram with people like only had bread. So when you sat down in the Great Depression to have your like one slice of bread and one piece of cabbage, you didn't get like get a bread basket oh, first. God, doesn't that sound good? <laughs> Braised cabbage and butter with a slice of bread. Absolutely. Yesterday I made um just going back to cabbage, I made a pulled pork recipe and I put equal oh, amounts right. of pork and cabbage in it because I wanted to use less meat mm-hmm. and it came out so good. And I would have loved to just pile that high in a slice of crusty bread. Well, next time <laughs> and next time you can. I know. <laughs> um, I have a question. Brenton, mm-hmm. Brenton, can I ask you a question? 
Yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool. So on our chef recommends this week. Mm. Um, what are some of <laughs> what are some um alternative flowers that you have had experience with, and maybe some tips for how people out there listening uh, can use them? Okay, well, alternative flowers. Hmm. Now, are these flowers that? Uh, contain gluten or not. They can be either. I mean, just uh, anything other than AP flour. And it could be double zero flour. It could be chestnut flour. You know, it really does. It could be glutinous or not glutinous. Okay. So, you know, a lot of words that you hear right now, I know because a lot of the cooking that I do, if I have events or or for photo shoots or whatnot, uh, there's uh, lots of almond flour, Mm. right? Almond almond flour is not really flour. I mean, yes, it is a finely ground almond uh, product. It's Mm -hmm. made almonds ground into a, a powder. Yeah. Uh, almond flour. Uh, I don't use it that much. I use a lot of buckwheat flour, and buckwheat is Ooh. actually more, it's more of a grass rather than wheat, and there's actually no gluten in it. Um, so I use a lot of buckwheat flour uh, when I make things, and I make crepes out of them and waffles, and you'll see a lot of recipes if you look online. And I'm going to quickly interject myself. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me talk. Thank you. And <laughs> it just lets you know that... No, that uh, when you read a recipe and you're like, oh, well, this recipe has, it says buckwheat flour, but then it also calls for regular flour. You can use all buckwheat flour. It's just going to be a lot more, buckwheat doesn't have any, doesn't really have any gluten structure. Yeah. Because it doesn't have any gluten, so it's not going to hold up. But what I read something about buckwheat is if you use it, and I love buckwheat, the flavor is delicious. You hit, if you beat it like with a whisk, mm. or if you like really, really like take the back of a spoon and yeah. If you let's you say you're making waffles, boss. yeah, you show it who's boss. You're gonna start to work that dough a little bit, and it's gonna be a little bit looser and more. It's will uh, yield a tender, more tender product. Anyway, mm. buckwheat flour is really good. Just to let you know the other flours that do contain gluten are rye flour, mm-hmm. wheat, barley, and what's the other one? I forgot. Whatever. Ask your food. Ask yeah, your I don't food care. Set. I will eat almost anything. Some people say oats have a little bit of gluten too. But anyway, uh, buckwheat flour is a good one. And spelt. Spelt has gluten in it. I love spelt. But a wonderful flavor, right? Yeah, a delicious flavor. There's a place in uh, Hudson and also in Great Barrington called Baba Louie's Pizza. Baba Louie. It's not the... It's a, it's just stuck in the 90s, but the pizza is delicious and they have spelt crust and it's very good. These are more ancient grains that are apparently supposed to be easier to digest Mm -hmm. uh and then another thing that i was if you didn't want to use uh what's what what i'm trying to think um for oh so for like a whole wheat flour Mm -hmm. uh you can just to make sure that you get like a stone ground whole wheat flour okay and that when you i think when you bake with it to let it hydrate a little bit longer up Mm. to like two hours wow yeah Interesting. Mm-hmm. I've been reading. In fact, I read that about that on Serious Eats. Stella Park speaks of this. Oh, cool. She's um, great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, alternative flowers. I love buckwheat. That's my choice. And what about what about for you? Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about. Okay, so I'm a pasta purist, mm. and you know, people have asked me over the years because I think they know that pasta is kind of my specialty. Hey, Zara, how do you make gluten-free pasta, especially at the restaurant and post? Like, you know, when I was doing catering, my answer is. Not intentionally. No, I'm not making gluten-free pasta. I don't mess around with corn pasta, rice pasta, kind of packaged things. That's right, rice flour. Exactly. I mean, my mom sometimes get that gets that stuff. She'll get like a corn pasta or like a quinoa lentil pasta or something. And mm-hmm. if she's making it, I'll eat it. I'll try it. But I'm not. I would never put it on uh, a menu at a restaurant that I w- had my name behind, and I wouldn't serve it in my home. My one exception 
that I really, really do love and mm-hmm. I choose to use. Now, don't get me wrong. I will mess around with anything, and if it's delicious, I'll use it. But deliciousness is always, when it comes to making pasta, my first mm-hmm. my first goal. I don't care if it's gluten-free. Um, eat something else that's not gluten. Again, going back to kind of what we were talking about yeah, with yeah. veganism, like, I don't need to just fool you into thinking you're eating something. You could just eat something else. Yeah, I don't want meat. I want the eggplant. <laughs> like, I want right. the delicious vegetables. Exactly. Um, and so in that same vein, I don't really try to do a fake out. However, I love chestnut flour pasta. Chestnut flour. I think chestnut flour pasta is absolutely delicious. We used to use it all the time at the restaurant. I will use it when I'm making pasta at home. Um, it has this wonderful, sweet, nutty mm, flavor yeah, and a yeah, yeah. really great, chewy texture to it. It's awesome. I we love- actually did an episode on, chest- on, on chestnuts. chestnuts and- and- yes. No, on hickory nuts. We hickory did nuts, native nuts. Right. The meat of nuts, yes. Weird nuts. <laughs> meat. The Bre- yeah. Weird nuts. The Breton's Cottons are Starring, a story. Star- story. As a, the special guest, my dad, <laughs> my Wisconsin father. Um, so I love that. I used to do um, a lasagna that had chestnut flour, pasta, sausage, and like a sausage chestnut ragu and That's chev. Right. Which if I you're really in New York like. City, well, A, you can order chestnut flour online. Yes, pretty the much internet. On the internet. At pets.com. Pets.com and Amazon.com mm-hmm. and nuts.com for mm. real. But also if you're in New York City, Sahadi's has a wonderful chestnut flour. Oh, that's a mm-hmm. good tip. Sahadi's, which is on Atlantic Avenue in Forum Hill. BK, Brooklyn. It's great. So that's my tip. Oh, that's a good one. Chestnut flour for pasta. It's Chef recommends delicious. chestnut flour. And then you can use it in certain baking things too. The chestnut flour donut can be good. Um, now we always do a top three, yeah, uh, for our three favorite things. Obviously, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, bum, bum, bum. top three things to do with flour. Mm. Like that's kind of everything that we do yeah. in cooking. But uh, what maybe I could ask you? What are your uh, top three either baked savory or sweet goods or something? Okay, is that what, is yeah. that what we're kind of talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think like a top three baked goods. Yeah, yeah, that would potentially use. Mm, like flour. a mo- exactly yeah, mostly okay. wheat flour. Um, I think my t- number three top favorite baked good mm-hmm. is mm, we were a banana bread. Oh, I love a good stop. banana bread. Yeah, with a crunchy, sugary coated top. That's right. That's and right, that's um, right. chocolate chips in it. I love chocolate. I love chocolate chips. Ch- chunks. Chocolate chip. chunks chocolate and chips. Chimp, chimps. Ching- oh, chips and chunks. Yeah. Um, okay. Got to have uh, <laughs> My number two mm. is a scone. A scone. Which is basically just a ball of flour, but a good scone because there are so many out there. And I will say my very favorite scone is the cranberry scone from Balthazar. Who would have thought? It's so simple. I have this thing about scones. You don't like them? I like them. I just, I have to have a good one. And you know what the thing about scones? I think they have to be, it's like biscuits. To me, they have to be really fresh. Yeah, they have to be really fresh. You go somewhere, if you get a biscuit that's, I don't know, been sitting for three hours, it's not good. Yeah, Unless you reheat it. A nice fresh scone, though. Yeah, I you're love right. That's the key because I think you always th- picture scones at Starbucks. You're yeah. Like, how long? First of all, what factor did that come from? Exactly. What kind of flour are they using? Hello. I make a pretty righteous scone too. Cannot wait. To I your really, scone. I love <laughs> making a good scone with a good like whipped kind of compound butter. And my number uh, mm, one favorite thing with wheat, like a wheat pastry, is unequivocally 100% always and forever a good croissant. And mm. I say croissant, not croissant, because a croissant. I'm from New York. City. Not a crescent. I say a croissant, a croissant. Okay, well, obviously for top three, I mean, who would I be fooling if I wasn't going to say my, well, I can't say my number one yet. <laughs> uh, number three, I love a waffle. Oh, I, I love waffles. You know what, you're a real waffle promoter. And I've you're said this before, big 
I've said that I love waffles. Um, my waffle iron broke. Zara wanted to use my waffle yes, iron. Yes, I did. Uh, but it's okay. I haven't made waffles in ages. But the best ones are the yeast-raised waffles. Overnight yeast-raised waffles by Marianne Cunningham, Marianne Cunningham mm-hmm. Breakfast Book. Um, you can look it up online. Mm-hmm. I love that recipe. You basically put some ingredients together, stir in a bowl, let it rise overnight, overnight. With mm. milk, and people are like, oh my God, will I get sick? No, it'll get, get sour and delicious. It's fine. Uh, and then the next morning, you'll have fabulous waffles. Uh, number two, number two, my second favorite thing ever. You know, I have to say, what would I do without dredging things in flour? And you know what I'm going to say is that, and I got this from you, the franchise batter. Oh, yeah. Which franchise batter is basically you dredge a bunch of any kind of protein or, you know, chicken or fish or yeah. even vegetables you could use in flour and egg. Yeah, flour, then egg. And mm-hmm. it makes this delicious, puffy, but you couldn't fluffy do with, coating. you couldn't do it without flour. No, you have to. Because that's, must have flour. They must have flour. And, and wheat flour, really. It doesn't work very well with alternative flours. No, and I, right when you said that, you made me think of that flour called Wondra flour. Yeah, my mom know, loves it. Wondra flour is pre-cooked flour they basically hydrate it cook it dry it and then repowder it mm-hmm. so it doesn't have there's no uh lag time you if can add ever, it right yeah. to a sauce mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna say my number one thing i mean what would i do without a pastry crust oh like a pie I mean, crust yeah yeah, pie yeah. Crust. i pretty much i always have them in the freezer i'm actually out i just got butter today and i try to make i make a quadruple batch oh, so i yeah so i always have a pastry crust that way if you ever need to make an emergency quiche an emergency tart yeah you pull it and you know what you only have to pull it out for like 15 minutes out of the freezer yeah you bang that thing with a with a rolling with, pin yeah totally thaws out what you is know? an emergency quiche like what would happen in a real quiche emergency what would that look like to you i don't know let's say it's like saturday morning and your friends call and they're like, oh my gosh, you completely forgot to put in your iCal that it's my, it's a baby shower. <laughs> oh, actually, my last emergency quiche was I went to a marathon party. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe I didn't make anything. Like, this is so inappropriate of me. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. I do have an emergency quiche or I have an emergency dough in my freezer. That's great. And pretty much I would say most people have eggs. And then yeah. usually you can find some scraps. I bet you have an onion. Kitchen leavings, yeah, I as you we have call an them. Onion. Yeah. And then I'm just like going to the bottom of your your uh, your produce drawer, and I'm sure you can find some parsley sprays. Yeah. Find your <laughs> soggiest vegetables and throw them in a bowl. It's life's best with the quiche. Yeah. Worst canary. Worst case scenario, throw some dried dill or a canary. Yeah. Worst scenario, take your canary. Roast but yeah, it. I mean you've got to have a pastry crust, and that's the best thing. Amazing. That's, I don't know. I feel like it's just simplicity, right? Yeah. I'm not even gonna say bread because that's. Uh, completely Duh. separate and obvious and also shout out we we record each week from this beautiful studio here at roberta's pizza which mm. has delicious pizza and also delicious bread and our girl amelia hall is the head baker here and she makes fabulous fabulous breads remember that name she's a queen of bread that's right and they wouldn't be in business if it weren't for flour yeah exactly right yep all right well this was quite an <laughs> well, engaging episode, I don't know honestly. What to do after I'm exhausted. Well, yeah, I have to take a nap on a flour sack. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to look at this up. I'm going to, you know, flower, flower sack dresses, I think, are making a comeback. They're gorge. Listen, guys, if you don't uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, I will find you and hunt you down. If I find out that you're listening and not rating, reviewing, subscribing to this and all the other podcasts, it's judgment day for you. And you do not want to feel my wrath. I'm very, very mean. Exactly. Uh, 
again, check out some of the other fabulous shows on Heritage Radio Network. There are a ton of shows all around food and beverage, beer, cider, farming. Women and food. Women and food. There's a topic for every personality, which is why we love it here. Uh, so thank you for that. And again, email us at lifesabanquetshow at gmail.com if you have any questions, recipe, tips, you just want to chat. Yeah, if you're angry about something that you've you we've said, please send your email. We'll never read it. Exactly. Well, thank you again. Happy cooking. Happy weeks. Happy eating. And that's it. Happy birthday to me. Today's my birthday. Oh, just kidding. Oh, darn. Okay, hasta <laughs> la pasta, bibs. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.